everybody. Welcome back to the Punk Side Eye Podcast, episode number 143. I am, of course, one of your hosts, Tom Trauma, and Liverpool Neil is out there somewhere. Say hello, Liverpool Neil. Hello, everybody. I guess you could just call me Neil from now on, man. I think everybody does. I know. It's funny. You know? It's funny because it felt like there, our nicknames were kind of important at the beginning, but I rarely say them anymore. Yeah, well, you were, you were, you were known. I mean, your name was out there because of, of punk news and stuff, right, Tom Trauma? But I think people just know it's just Tom and Neil now, so, you know. That's true. It's been Better than Neil and Bob, right? 143 episodes, for God's sakes. Better than Neil and Bob. That's, yeah. See, that's a that's a that's a uh, fast. Uh, who's that comedian? That's a uh, it's a joke by that one dirty comedian back from the eighties, nineties, oh, who know. dressed like the Fonz. Oh, anyway. yeah, Andrew Dice Clay. Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. Do you, what's your name? Neil and Bob, or is that just what you do? You uh, that? Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, he, he all right. Listen. You can read. <laughs> he dresses like Johnny Ramone and somehow didn't age well. How do you do that? How do you manage that, Andrew Dice Clay? All right, listen. We we uh, you can of course reach us at Punk Till I Die seventy seven at Gmail, Punk Till I Die Podcast on Facebook, Punk Till I Die Podcast Group on Facebook, where you can do like literally one of our listeners today just you know gave us a critique of the last episode. He did. So th- thanks, Carl. Yeah, no, it was it was mostly kind. Okay, good, 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 good. Carl's like Carl's like family, where it's like you, you know when your family criticizes, you can kind of take it. Yeah, 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 for sure. Danny. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, we have a guest today, and and uh, his name is Billy Hopeless, and he is from a band called the Black Halos. I know one of one of uh, Neil's favorite bands. I don't know them nearly as well, so I'm actually probably going to let Neil kind of take the driver's seat today. But yeah, so welcome, Billy. How are you doing? Hey, all right. How's it going? It's going, it's going all right. Going great. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. We're trying to get you on for a while, but you know, just uh, with COVID and stuff, and you always busy. Yeah. So you know, but hey, happy to have you. Good to be here. So let's let's start with the name. So Billy Hopeless. You also went by another name, or you go by a different name on Facebook, right? What 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 is that? That's uh, uh, Billy Benito. Yeah, I got it from this uh, friend of mine, this really charming Spanish girl named Lydia. She she told me, she said, yeah, you know, you shouldn't be called Billy Hopeless. You should be called Billy Benito. And I said, what's that mean? She said, that means beautiful man. And I said, well, yeah, I'll take that. And then, you know, Facebook said that hopeless is a negative thought. So I couldn't use my, my real name, Billy Hopeless. And I was like, well, it's my name. I got my ID. Do you want to see my ID? It's my name, okay? And they're like, well, no, it's a negative thought. You can't use it. It's like when you go to Disneyland, you can't wear a negative thought. So I was like, Okay, well, let's add this new band going to Benito's. And I was like, going by Billy Benito. So I was like, let's try that. And they were like, yeah, that's fine. Billy Benito, yeah, beautiful man's good, but hopeless. No, that's negative. <laughs> Dude, is I, is I, that your legal name? On your driver's license, does it say Billy Hopeless? Oh, yeah. I'm hopeless, man. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he was fucked from the start. And if you're a fan, you know well, what Well, it's that funny because, I mean, I don't know if you guys are. I was a big fan of the comic book The Punisher when I was younger. And Jigsaw, the guy whose face got all cut up, wasn't his name Billy the Butte? Like Billy, beautiful Billy. I wasn't really a Punisher guy, so I don't know. Yeah, I wasn't really a Punisher guy. I kind of Punisher more, was more DC than Marvel. I gotcha. I was something about the Punisher always appealed to me. Unfortunately, it's sort of been co-opted by these people that I want nothing to do with. Like now, if you see a guy with like a Punisher skull on his truck, you're like, yeah, don't talk to that guy. Yeah, it's I, like, like it was always my favorite. Society shirt or something, you know? It's like yeah. Crooked Castles. You know what you're getting into. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, I like Ghost Rider. I thought Ghost Rider was the coolest in the Bible because he's, you know, he's a skull 
on a mo- flaming skull on a motorcycle with a big chain. Now, and a leather jacket, a spiked leather jacket. That's pretty cool. Like, most superheroes are guys are jumping around in their underwear. And ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> really, you know, when it comes down to it, I'm not really scared of, like, Superman coming at me. I mean, what's with that cape anyway? You can fly. You don't need a cape. Why are you wearing a cape? You're trying to impress their suit. But Ghost Rider, now that comes at you. It's like, okay, let's go have a beer. I'm in. <laughs> You look like my kind of dude. <laughs> hey, Tom, skull. Hey, hey, Tom, why do I get the yeah. feeling already that this is going to go the way of the Dayglo abortions? Uh, <laughs> it's a hey. That's right. That's the way we look. It, it, you know what? It's funny because it's a Western Canadian guy again, right? Yeah. Because the uh, Cretan is from Western Canada, too. And yeah, just let him run, Neil. Let him run. Yeah. All the best Canadians are Canadian. It's a fact. <laughs> I mean, look at, our, look at all the great comedians we've had. William Shatner, Alex Trebek. I mean... <laughs> Oh, look at we've had two Trudeaus. I mean, all the great comedians—they're all yeah. great. Yeah, I well, guess. Well, if you if you ever get a chance to listen to our Dayglow Abortions uh, interview, what what was the singer's name again, Tom? Murray. Uh, Murray Acton. Yeah, Murray yeah. Acton. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, that was a that was a hell of an interview, man. He was he's all a wild over the man. damn place. He's a, he's a wild man. Yeah, Creed's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He is a great guy. Last ten minutes are just him telling pedophile jokes. It's it's really <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> and telling us about religion that was crazy. All right, let's try and get yeah. this back on course a little bit. You you take it, you know, get it back on course. All right, so Billy, so um. Black Halos was that um, yeah. was that your, was that your first band or were you in bands before that? No, I was in a bunch of bands. But my first band was a speed metal band back in the eighties, and yeah, before anyone like there's only a couple of us that were doing like real real metal extreme metal, and yeah, I just banned debauchery. It was like a speed metal band I was in. Now, yeah, you know, so that was my first band. I, I started out playing metal actually. Hmm. Okay, and um, and you've always lived. You're in Vancouver, right? Have you always been in Vancouver? Yeah, yeah, born and raised, right? Okay. You know, I lived in a van really more than anything in of my life. I think when I look at my life, I think I lived in a van <laughs> more than anything. Like, I've, as I say, I've slept with guys in the band more than I have anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, that's why you call debauchery, right? I mean, shit. Yeah, no, I'm talking with the Halo, man. God, we've, yeah, I'm always like, it's like, oh, yeah, so yeah, are you attached to anyone? I'm like, yeah, well, we'd, we swap a lot, but usually it'd be Richard J. And yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm so. attached to everybody except for the, I'm attached to everybody except for the drummer. Those guys come and go constantly, right? <laughs> yeah. Thanks, oh, you know. <laughs> So okay, so so debauchery, speed metal band, mid eighties. So what? Yeah. How about after that? What what happened after that? When you started listening yeah. to punk or whatever, I, I assume. I went to a bunch of different bands and didn't really do anything, and just kind of switched off. I put out an acoustic industrial release, and yeah, I did a bunch of different stuff, and it got to the point where I was just like, I was looking for something. That, that I really, really wanted to do and loved. And I went straight back to when I was a kid watching the New York Dolls on Don Krishna and, you know, listening to bands like the Ramones and stuff. And I was like, well, the cramps. I was like, this is the stuff I really, really love. Yeah. And he's doing it. No one's playing it out here in Vancouver. No one was doing it. So I was like, well, I want to do that. And I saw an ad. I was looking at ads. And I saw an ad in the Georgia Strait, our local newspaper, when they used to have newspaper ads for bands and, yeah, I saw an ad that said Sex Pistols, Hanoi Rocks, 
New York or that guy, yeah, he said dolls made her kiss. And I was like, Oh yeah, that sounds it sounds good. And I called up one, Well what about the Ramones and Iggy and it's Rich and Rich was like, Yeah, 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 yeah and we started talking about bands, Dead Boys, how about the Dead Boys? And then we were like, Yeah, yeah and we sort of realized I think that we were like the only guys sort of into this stuff and we'd see each other at record stores and it'd be the same thing. It'd be like Hey, you got any more uh, Johnny Thunder's cassettes? And they'd be like, no, you guys, don't you guys have all of them? And besides, you two are the only guys that want them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then we, uh, Rich had this bass player, Rob Hunter, who's dead now, rest in peace, Robbie. And yeah, and basically we got together and started playing. In the first jam, we wrote the song Retro World and BSF, Blood Sucking Freak, the first night. And it went off from there. And then we met Jay and picked up Jay along the way and rotating members until getting Jay in. And then Rob from Spark Marker, Robbie Z from Spark Marker joined on drums. And yeah, away we went. So what does what does Jay do? Jay play guitar or does Jay play bass? Yeah, Jay plays guitar. Jay and Richard both are both guitar players. Jay's the heart of the band. He's everyone's favorite member, in my opinion. Wow. All yeah, right. it's great having Jay back. Jay and Rich back and, you know... Right now, it's great. So we're back together, and we've got Jay and having Jay and Rich back. The last lineup of the band, it was just me and the drummer, Rob. Jay had left, and it's just me and the drummer, Robbie. And it wasn't the guys that were in that got drafted weren't my picks, and I wasn't really happy with it. So I ended up quitting. Now, back together with Jay and having Jay and Rich back, it's fantastic. And having our new drummer, Danny, Danny on drums, and then yeah, John Kern's the bass player. John used to be in a Canadian band, Age of Electric, and with his brother Todd Kearns. And John's just, I've always thought he's one of the greatest bass players there is in Canadian Canada. Hmm. Maybe, maybe out there right now. He plays like, he stalks the stage like a panther, and his bass is strung so low. It makes like, when you say like Johnny Ramone, how Ramone talk about Johnny Ramone when you talk about Dice. And well, did you know Johnny Ramone? How his guitar was so low down, slung so low. Oh, yeah, I always did that. You gotta looks cool. Yeah, I've never seen anyone like John. His guitar touches, it's touching the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Looks like like he dropped it, right? Looks like the guitar strap broke. (laughs) Guitar the stage, and I'm like on the stage, and I'm like, it's not a stand up bass, but. Yeah, he's, this is amazing. That that thing is laying down on the ground, and he's still like without going down his knees, still able to play that thing. That's it. Just fascinates me. See, it's funny. It's funny you mention that because it was saying to somebody earlier on. Um, they showed a picture of their band or something, and I was like, "Well, that's cool because you got the bass really low." I was like, "There's nothing worse when you go and see a band and the bass player has got the bass like right under his neck, and he just looks like a complete yeah. fucking nerd, right?" Yeah, you know they're that. gonna play. You know they're gonna play art rock if they do that, right? Yeah, it's gonna be like progressive rock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like nineteen sixties, like nineteen sixties, like Liverpool skiffle. Well, you know, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, if it's if it's Jerry and the Pacemakers, that's one thing, right? Yeah. But uh, you know, <laughs> mm. talking about that, yeah. talking about that. One time when we were chatting in uh, in Messenger or something, didn't don't you have? Did you live in England for a while? Don't you have some family in Liverpool or something? Uh, no, my dad was my dad was from Yorkshire. Okay, we're from Leeds yeah. or something. No, uh, Holtby. Okay, Holtby. Yeah, so my dad's from Yorkshire, right? So, yeah, it was 
there's always that thing where his dad was from Yorkshire and he's and so you know the Yorkshireman thing and yeah it's it's trivial you know that 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 part of like especially around this Christmas time coming up I always say it's really hits because that that was it it was like we grew I grew up with it's weird I grew up so multicultural but on my dad's side that was it we grew up like eating ice gems and watching Doctor Who reading the Beano and Rupert Annual and you know <laughs> watching and because we were Commonwealth back then. Yeah. Here in Canada. Yeah, we right. like, yeah. We were Commonwealth, so we had like CBC would show like on the buses and you'd get like all the bridge shows like Monty Python on the buses, um Corey, Corey Street and you'd get all that stuff coming on, on TV. So it was like yeah, it would be like my dad sitting there going, Oh God, it's Cor coronation. Oh God, change it, change it. And my mom going, Oh no, I like this and yeah, and you grew up with that, you know, boiled beef, rotten teeth and all that. That's a great that's a great name for an album, that boiled beef oh, that, and rotten that, teeth. That, Love that, it. That honey named uh, a single of that, I believe. <laughs> boiled beef and rotten teeth. But yeah, no, my dad you said boiled beef and rotten teeth, that's what makes England strong. <laughs> that's that's eat, true. Eat, the cat. Yeah, eat your corned beef and cabbage. Shut up. <laughs> so we did you ever you ever visit over there? I assume you did. I assume you went to see your family and stuff. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, well just mainly yeah to play. I never got to go until really until playing. Oh okay. Go over there, you know, but my dad and mum would go over there, but they'd leave us at home all the time. You hmm. know, here we're going we're going to we're gonna go visit England and see ya. See you, kids. <laughs> but yeah, no, with the Halos, we got to go over and play, play a few times, and it's you know it's, it's just great. <laughs> Honestly, it's great. Beans, a good can of beans doesn't cost you an arm and a leg like they do over here. That's right. Get some Heinz or some, uh, yeah. That's the that's the culinary highlight of Neil's home country, beans. Well, the hey hey, you know, knock it off. But I tell you what, yeah. It's a, there's a good uh, competition there between Heinz and Bachelors to see who has the best baked beans. Oh, no, it's got to be Heinz. <laughs> <laughs> Heinz and then Yorkshire Gold Tea. Yeah. And yeah. I got some Yorkshire yeah. Gold Tea in my in my thing right now, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Good shit. Good shit. All right. So back to the Richie band. Richie, you better play a song. You better play a song, yeah. Well, I, some, it seems like it's time to play a song. Well, I tell you what. So um, the band formed when? 1994 or something like that? As I think no, it's before that. I think like '92. I think I believe. God, I don't even like to think about that. <laughs> I don't know if I drink. If I remember one before, Rich tells me all the time he'll be like, "Oh, it's our twentieth anniversary," and I'll be like, "Oh, God, no!" Need <laughs> <laughs> <is> still going. <laughs> it's so not we'll, dead yet. Well, I we'll tell you what. So let's let's play the first song. Um, and this was off the first album i believe which came out in 99 right um because yeah. the song you chose was fucked from the start do you want to tell us a little bit about this one uh yeah this song was written really early on there's a band from vancouver called death sentence that i really really liked and i remember i walked in we were in the jam space and our bass player at the time who i mentioned earlier robbie hunter he, he had this bass riff and he was said oh, i've got this bass riff and he started playing that bass boom boom Boom, boom, boom. And I was like, oh, it's awesome. I love that. Yeah, let's work on that. And then a friend of mine from another band, Slow, and another band, he sounds like being a band, Tank Hog, Stephen Ham came in and he said, hey guys, just want to let you know, Pete Cleaver, who was a singer from Death Sentence, Pete Cleaver overdosed. 
and Pete was like one of the most hardcore, hardcore of hardcore guys there was. Like when it came to drug abuse and just recklessness, he was just like beyond. You know, I saw him shoot up in his eye at an Iron Maiden concert. Jesus, and yeah, Pete, Pete was just like using the water fountain as water, right? Rig. Yeah, <laughs> just Pete was just Pete. But anyways, I just thought about Pete and one of the last times I'd seen Pete and he told me, he said, you know, we all fucked from the start, but you got a chance to change. And so that really hit me and that, yeah, became the basis of the song. I think it's one of my favorite songs. It definitely suits the band in every way. I mean, anything that this band, I'd say the Halos, we've gone through so much. The crazy. If I wrote a book about stories, no one would believe it. And a guy, we had a guy, Davey French, in for a while on guitar in the band, and he said, you know, it's on MTV, there's a show called Road Rules, where they put these bands out and make them face all these challenges. You know, they should put this band on, because you guys, you guys survive everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's, it's kind of like that now. Whenever we get together and we start playing or anything, and anything happens, we just go like part of the course, you know, fuck from the start. <laughs> well, there you that's go. That's well, it. Since the start of the band, it's been that way. Well, there you go. All right, so let's listen to it. So this is the uh, Black Halos with Fucked from the Start.
Black Halo's there with Fucked From The Start. And that was off the first album from 1999, which was on, um, I think it was Die Young, Stay Pretty was the first album, uh, the first label, right? Yeah, yeah, that was like, Die Young, Stay Pretty was an imprint off of Sub Pop, which led to us getting signed to Sub Pop. It was like a, a, sub, a sub label off of Sub Pop, a sub sub. Well, that's but cool. That song actually came out first on a CD compilation by Jeff, put out by Jeff Dahl called Trash on Demand Volume 3. And Jeff Dahl, ex-Angry Samoans, and then as uh, a solo artist, he, he was like way ahead as well. We used to buy, like, he'd have this, he had a zine called Ultra Under Ultra Underground, Ultra Under, and that zine, you could order, like, you'd silk screen Stiff Bader's and Johnny Thunder's t-shirts, and write about articles about it when no one was about all those bands. So we were like, love that scene and like Jeff's music. We were like, hey, can we send you a demo? And he wanted us to do it. He's like, he dug us and was like, yeah, I want to put you out on CD. So that song, the original version, came out on Alter, basically on Trash on Demand by Jeff Dahl. Hmm. Interesting stuff, yeah. And then the album was re-released uh, about 10 years later, I think, on a German label, right? On... Yeah, to, yeah. I used to fuck people like you in prison. Yeah, records. oh, I love that. that's one of my favorite names for a label ever. I've seen stuff on that label. Yeah, yeah, great label. Yeah, they put it out, put it re-released both our the first albums and our third album. But they did the first two albums re-released with a bunch of bonus tracks and you know some of the B sides and rarity stuff. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, they they do a bunch of psychabilly stuff too. I know, um, like the Creep Show, and uh, I think the Meteors. Did, uh, I think the Meteors have some stuff on. Yeah, I used to fuck people like you in prison. They did. Uh, they did a, at least one Silver Tongue Devil album. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, they had a bunch of those bands. Well, they had some really like yeah, it's a bunch of bands that I really liked on that label at the time too. Yeah, it's a good label, huh? Yeah, and just the and just and just FYI, if people are looking to get any of the black halo stuff on vinyl good luck because it take it took me forever <laughs> to get all the albums let me tell you most of me can only get in europe so yeah it's, it's a harder find some i've got i've got copies i bring out every now and then do a show and i'll pull out i i sort of hoarded copies and yeah i bring them out to a show sometimes go put them on the merch table and go hey look at this original, <laughs> original yeah. vinyl well, look the hey well, it's well, the signed funny... by Billy Hopeless, because I know him. <laughs> well, the funny, <laughs> the funny thing about that first album was, um, at least, you know, the original press on Die Young, Stay Pretty, it had, didn't you have postcards in it of each one of the band members or something? Yeah, we had little cards, yeah, the cards, and the CD had a sticker, which was funny, because originally the CD was supposed to have the sticker, actually, so you could peel it off of the case and stick it to the case, but... Sub Pop didn't do that, or Die Young Stay Pretty. They didn't do that. They just stuck it onto the shrink wrap solid. So it's like, oh, I tore the shrink wrap off, and I've got a plain black case, and suddenly they were spinal tap, right? <laughs> yeah, how black None more be? black. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, what was wrong with smell the glove? You know? <laughs> What's wrong with being sexy? What's wrong with being sexy? That's right. Yeah. What's wrong with being sexy? <laughs> It's not sexy. It's sexy. <laughs> yeah, no, I was saying that thing, but I have had people say that having a solid black case is 
jewel cases really had me for certain things, but yeah, I won't get into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no shit. Not certain things that really, I guess, works. That's what I'm told. <laughs> so were you, were, you, were you touring all over the place? Were you touring the US and stuff with that first album? Oh, or was it mainly yeah. a Canadian thing? Yeah, we know we we went crazy like right from the start. We've always, I think, had that thing with, okay, let's get a really crappy van with a hole in the floor and the exhaust coming up, and you have to you have to keep the heat cranked up though because otherwise it's going to overheat, and yeah, it's going to fall. It's falling apart, but let's go across the U.S. and Canada, and yeah, we just we toured like as I say, we I was hardly ever home since the start of the, that band it's been like for a long time we were just the first two albums it was non-stop as soon as we'd get home there'd be a call going hey uh yeah you guys want to go do the warp tour i just got home yeah well you leave tomorrow okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so- and we were doing like playing shows going on tour and playing shows when we started like with emergency devils and stuff and you know, the hundred bucks a night, and we're just like, but nonstop, like, uh, well, can we eat another hot dog at the gas station? Yeah, we can. <laughs> so, <laughs> hot dog. So, you were, so you actually went on Warp Tour? How was that? How was that experience? Oh, it was killer. You know, we got to see a lot of great bands, meet a lot of great people, and yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was really, really a good time, I thought. They knew how to do things. Other than the fact everyone was in buses and we're in our van. So it's kind of funny. Like, we'd pull up and you have to drive, like, to the next show, from show to show, and be there at 8 in the morning to check in. Otherwise, you don't play. So we'd be like, okay, show's done. And, yeah, sold our merch. Now we got to race out of here and try and get to the next town of the next show and drive all night to the next show. And I'd be shaving out front and working in the rearview mirror of the van. And Brody from the distillers, I remember... Yeah, her looking and like, what are you doing? And me is, I'm shaving. You know? Yeah, and Brody and Rose and me is, I'll come on our van and shower. Be like, a shower? Oh, you, you have a shower? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, funny. I, we were staying in hotels. <laughs> I guess in those early days, Warp Tour was pretty cool because all I know is like the last few years, it was pretty shiny and kind of a lot of emo the first couple were really, like the that. first the first couple in the 90s were actually really cool neil i gotta say i saw some of them it was kind of new it was novel you know nobody really knew what was going on but you know the descendants played and all kinds of cool bands but as it went on you know the taste got more modern and our taste stayed old so yeah it definitely <laughs> was not our thing like 10 years ago you wouldn't have caught me dead at a warp tour yeah yeah we were we had like rancid and they said the distillers rancid AFI, me first in the Gimme Gimmies, you know, and then uh, a lot of like the other bands serve on our well, the Stewards are on the same stage as, but um, yeah, there's like there's some really really cool cool bands on there, and met a lot of really you know Kepi Gooly and the Groovy Ghoulies, and yeah, there's really cool bands on, so it was, it was as well as like bands that were lesser known, like the Angry Amputees and stuff, which were like old friends. And we just, it was great. No effects, of course. And yeah, good times. Well, and uh, the cool thing about it had to be, you didn't have to worry about your paycheck. Like, like when you go to like these clubs, you got to shake down, you know, you got to like collect your money and all that stuff. Like, like the check from uh, Lyman's not, not going to balance, right? I mean, no, they like, fed you. They fed you good. 
That was really good. You go through the catering lines and the food was really good, except for when we were in Vancouver. We played in Vancouver, worked her here in our hometown. This is one of my favorite stories is me and Rich were like, okay, let's go get something to eat. We go to where the catering is and we walk in and they have hot dogs. We go grab hot dogs, you know, our natural tour food. We're like, oh, hey, the hot dogs. <laughs> Oh, guess what? Hot dogs again. Yeah. We go grab hot dogs. And the woman goes, where's your tickets? We all, well, we didn't get any, but here's our passage, you know, as we're playing. And she's like, oh, well, see, you guys are local, so you guys don't get fed. What? Really? Yeah, they're like, it's your hometown. Even though you can't leave the site, you don't get fed. So you don't get free food. So we go outside and we're like bitching and cursing and going, fucking, fucking, we're fucking. <laughs> give us a fucking hot dog. And Ice tea, this is great. Ice tea comes out, walks up and goes, Hey guys, what's going on? Why so down? And we're like, Oh, you know, we're playing, we're local. And, you know, they'd say we don't get fed because we're local, so they won't even give us any hot dogs. And, you know, we're hungry, we want hot dogs, right? And Ice tea goes, Hang on a second. And he goes inside and he comes out and hands me and Rich each a hot dog. And he goes, Let me tell you something. If you work, you eat. And I watched you guys, and you guys work hard. Enjoy your hot dogs, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Ever since then, I've just like, it's been like one of those things where I'm like, you know what? Ice T, he was all right. He got us hot dogs on the work tour. (laughs) You can say anything you want about like LA Law, whatever TV show he's on, and anything about Ice T as an actor, and I'll say, hey, man, he gave us hot dogs on the work tour. Fuck yeah, Ice T. You're the boss. You're my daddy. <laughs> so that's all. That, that's all it takes to make Billy Hopeless happy is give him a hot dog and some beans, and he's all right, right? Yeah, we, we, got, we have to book him at the record farm. You know, we can afford hot dogs. Yeah, we can afford hot dogs. Yeah, get come down here. Yeah, <laughs> hot dogs and noodles. That's it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ramen noodles. Yeah, yeah. Lunch of champions. That's, you know, if you want to talk about punk kids? That's it. It's like Randy Rampage from DOA said to me. When you can't afford the bologna, so you have to get the chickaloni, the chicken bologna. That's <laughs> if it's got if it's got the macaroni in it, hey, then you're way hardcore. <laughs> All right, let's... that's what it comes down to. Well, so when, when you were doing Warp Tour, was it were you, were you still playing the first album or did the second album come out by then? Uh, that's the second album. Okay, yeah, then when when years came out. So let's Which, yeah, let's segue great. to that one then. So that I mean that one was straight on sub pop, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jonathan Ponyman, yeah, <laughs> he, he picked us up and said, "Here, this is going to be the next new thing, along with the Mercy Devils and all these great rock bands and signing the Makers and yeah, rock and roll is the next new thing." And it's like, well, rock and roll's always been there, hasn't it? <laughs> Except for now, <laughs> yeah. it's hardly there now. Yeah, now, right? I think now they're back to like they're back to that. Uh, here's some sunny day real estate to put you to sleep, kids. Well, it, it's funny because Sub Pop, I mean, Sub Pop put out some cool stuff, don't get me wrong, but they didn't really have a lot of like straight up punk stuff, right? It was mostly yeah. grungy, artsy fartsy stuff. No, you know, the, what about the Dwarves? You know? Oh, yeah, they did, but they did one Dwarves album, right? Or the first yeah, two, I guess. I okay. Guess yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, they did the Dwarves, they did the Super Suckers. I mean, that's true. But the, even the yeah. Super Suckers are straight up more more rock and roll than punk. But yeah, no, I, yeah. I guess you're right. I guess you always just think of like those big grunge bands that sold like five million copies or whatever. 
let me tell you something. I know I've toured and played with Eddie Spaghetti. And Eddie Spaghetti, he's eating that 4 a.m. hot dog at the gas station and truck stop. <laughs> I guarantee you, Eddie Spaghetti is eating a 4 a.m. hot dog at a truck stop, looking at it as it has been rotating all day, going, ah, what the fuck, 4 a.m. hot dog. Yeah, and that's I, punk, I said that's punk rock. Yeah, it's punk, true. Yeah, punk rock, that's it. Punk rock is that 4 a.m. hot dog that's been rotating all day, and when you look and go, well, who's going to get it? <laughs> no, I I like Super Suckers. I I actually liked them quite a bit. I've seen them many many times over the years. It wasn't it certainly wasn't a slight against the Super Suckers, but they were definitely they were a Seattle band, of course, or at yeah. some point at least, and they were more like a kind of rock and rolly. They, but they're, yeah. cool. they're Murder City Devils, Murder City Devils, along with us. You know they're yeah yeah great killer band. Did they play? Just, did they play at PBR this last year, Neil? Was it were the Murder yeah. City Devils? Yeah, they yeah. did. Yeah, we yeah. saw them. Yeah, we they have a keyboard. They're kind of yeah, kind of garagey. Yeah, they're cool. All right, now you were gonna play a song, weren't you, Neil? I know you were. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, I was gonna play actually because I kill a song, man. This is the this is the first song off the second album called the uh, the album is the Violent Years, and uh, yeah, let's go into it. So this is something's never fall. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about this song, Billy? I wrote this song while skateboarding down a hill. Actually, that's the weird. <laughs> Funnily enough. That's still, you know, it's an anthem. It's your, it's a super anthem. But the thing is, some things never fall. Was board was getting speed wobbles. Yeah, I was like, oh shit, I'm gonna bail. But I was like, no, no, not gonna fall, not gonna fall. So that's actually where it came from, honestly. But yeah, it's just a real solid anthem to me, and really says it all, just in the lyrics itself. It was sort of our first big, big push song video would hit, and the video ad. Joe Shinhead from DOA and we Aaron Canada's Metal Queen, uh, Grand Lawrence from the Great Band of Smugglers, all in it. So lots of guests in there as well as a bunch of kids and really cool punk kids that are now grown up and look back and fondly and say, "Hey, wow, that's when I was just a little punk kid." <laughs> so yeah, it's I don't know. It's a great song. I think it's a really good song. It's a standard with us for sure. Doesn't people does... seem to like? Doesn't Joey doesn't Joey Shithead play a police officer or something in the video? Yeah, yeah, yeah which is there's a, actually a movie called Terminal City Ricochet, which I sort of came up with that role for Joe was not he plays Officer Friendly in it, and this wrestler Gene Kaniski plays <laughs> his cop name is and they're both cops in that movie, and they're just like the nastiest cops. So it's like when we did the video, and the guy came up with the concept for the video, it's like I know who's gonna be the cop. And it's great because Joe came in with a cup of coffee and a donut. He goes, props. And I was like, perfect. Love it. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's listen to the song. This is uh, Some Things Never Fall from the Black Halos. <laughs>
Some Things Never Fall, which is actually one of my favorite Black Halo songs. That's what Tom, I was telling you today to listen to that second album. And that, uh, yeah, that, that song gets you right into that album. It's a great song. Every song on that album, it's nonstop gold. Every song's a hit. Agreed. I actually listened to it when I was running this morning because um, I was I, I actually listened to all four albums and I was just trying to figure out which one was my favorite. And I still think the first album might be my favorite, but Violent Years is definitely right up there with it. Um, That's the thing. We're about quality, you know. Really, the Black Halos. We're we may, maybe drunken buffoons, but it comes down to it. <laughs> we, right now, like with this, we're, we're writing our new album. And we've been writing this new album for like, I think now three years. Mm-hmm. And because of COVID starting, it really put a damper on that. But it's great because we've always had this thing where it's like me and Rich will write songs or Jay will write a song. And we'll always look and go, uh, is it good enough? And never worry about chucking, chucking songs away. Never get hurt when like, it's like, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we never really get that. That hurt by it. Okay, actually, you know what? Maybe you should uh, save that one for later. You never get hurt. And so it's always been that thing. Like, do you want to put out an album? And you, I love when you listen to an album and you're like, I love every song on it. Mm-hmm. Like, all no filler thing. I hate when a band is like, well, they have like a couple of really great songs, incredible songs, but the rest of the album, and uh, yeah. I really, you know, there's a lot of bands like that that I love where I'm like, Man, give me that one song, and then, yeah, after that, no, it's not so good. Well, I think it used to be a lot more like that back in the day, right? When 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 uh, uh, bands signed to the record labels, and the record labels made them put out like an album every year or something, so they were yeah. writing yeah. for the album. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. There's really no excuse anymore with it when you're only putting out an album every few years. There's not really much excuse for that anymore. But you're right, Neil. You know, the '70s, man, that was the time. Yeah, two yeah. albums a year. Yeah. Well, like the Violent Years, which is funny though, because the Violent Years we put out the first album, and then we were touring as I said nonstop. So a lot of the writing was done on tour. Because as soon as we got back, finally they gave us a break from touring, and they're like, "Okay, you guys, now we need you to do a new album. So go home and get in the studio." And we're just like, Sub Pop signed us, and they're like, "Yeah, okay, it's here, sign, and we need you guys to do this album now." So you can go back out on tour again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, John, you just see Jonathan with the little dollar signs in his eyes. Jonathan Poneman from Sub Pop with dollar signs and stars <laughs> in his eyes going, yes, yes, yes. Sing faster, my little chipmunks. Sing faster. King <laughs> <laughs> Tang, Walla Walla Big Bang. Faster, faster, produce. And yeah, we're doing that anyway, so. It was kind of it was kind of good though because as I say sometimes when you're out on the road you write and you're like in the worst situation and you got no sleep and you eat that 4 a.m. hot dog that's when you're gonna come out with genius that's when like your van's broken down on the side of the road and you're going fuck and that tension and anger makes you you know really write good you're passing that bottle back and forth going hey how about this this fucking sucks yeah that's a pretty fine. <laughs> <laughs> or it might, or it might so, seem, or it might seem like genius at the time, and then later on, you're like, "What the fuck did we just write?" Right? No, usually <laughs> it is genius because you're put in the worst situation, and you know that's why I say now I work in social housing here in Vancouver's DTS, which is downtown Eastside, which is like it gives Detroit a run for its money, right? It's like, <laughs> it's like 
our downtown east side it's it's crazy if you actually see it it's it is like i say like i wrote the song i think coming up third world usa about detroit visiting detroit playing in detroit and seeing detroit and going wow you know you people and your president in the united states is putting down the third world and like like the middle east like it's the third world and stuff and i'm like take a look at your home take a look at detroit man look at this shit there's a reason people light it on fire because they're pissed off and <laughs> You know, we're throwing rocks through windows and buildings and the cops are driving by waving at us like it's nothing. I'm like, what the hell? The place is on fire. And yeah, you're telling us that over there that they're, that they're living in the third world. Take a look at yourself, the way you're treating your own people. <laughs> and so anyways, yeah, that's, I work in the downtown east side and it's, say, it's pretty, it's pretty here, it's pretty rough. And it gives me lots to write about, though. And lots of excitement and adventure that still is great songwriting. Yeah, no shit, no shit. Well, um, we're going to play another song off of Violent Years, right? We're going to play Underground, which um, oh. I, I'm pretty sure I know what it's about, but why don't you tell the people what, what Underground is about? Okay, well, there's actually there's two things. There used to be a store here in Vancouver called The Underground, which was like a, one of the first punk stores here in Vancouver. And it was kind of funny because it, at first it wasn't underground then he moved it to so it was actually underground which made sense that the underground was underground but then they moved it back up on top and they started they got out of punk and they went punk sort of stuff and they went really into the rave and hip-hop scene and yeah you know high fashion scene and so it was really i was at a working at a store down the street which was like a crazy eclectic punk rock and oddity store and i was like well, the underground, and they moved right next door to us, but, wow, it's so fucking, like, neon pink, hip-hop, shiny, hip-hop, a raver, and, like, high-fashion, plush, and I was like, well, it's not underground anymore, and I was like, but it really wasn't underground at first, but then it became underground, now it's not underground again, and same with, it's like, playing in the band, it got to, it got to where when you start doing something, and... You're doing it from your heart, and then suddenly it becomes, you see, it becomes almost when people think it's a gimmick or something, and people that aren't really into it, everyone starts getting, like, nautical star tattoos, and people will start buying, like, doing the whole punk thing, which people would we joke about, like, the, people joke about the halo hair and the pineapple hair and stuff. Yeah. People that, like, when we started would come throw bottles at us and tell us to fuck off and that we sucked, and that... <laughs> stuff we're into like oh the new york dolls suck fuck you losers and you know, red hot chili peppers forever man <laughs> yeah yeah they've aged very well yeah suddenly they come to like they're coming to our shows and they're all dressed up like it you're like well this ain't no costume man this is like and yeah that that tattoo those tattoos you got boy you know i still i still don't regret anything like that and i'm still wearing like my dead boy shirts and my, you know, I still think this stuff's great. And I'll always think it's great. But yeah, for a while there, Jay said it best. Jay was like, it's kind of good though. People are getting uh, so into it, getting out of it. Cause it means that when we go to like the thrift stores, people are going to be like, they're going to be full of this stuff for cheap again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so jump off the wagon and be like, Hey man, oh, look at that wicked zero boy shirt. There you yeah. Go. I don't mind, but I don't like them anymore. <laughs> you know, see, trend jump. 
It, 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 it's funny, I th- I, uh, Tom. I think Ricky Rat told us the same thing, right? When, cause when when he was talking about the trash brats or whatever, he told us exactly the same kind of thing there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love Ricky. I love Ricky. Well, He's lost a lot of weight lately. I love Ricky. He's looking good. I bet you he knows a lot of people that we we've talked to, Neil. Because, but yeah, the, the trash brats were funny because they were doing a glam thing, trying to play punk like against like the hardcore punk crowd you know yeah which oh, yeah. is always getting always interesting off. and they they always talk about they'd win they usually win them over at the end but like i said that that silver tongue devils was on the same label that was todd porter or todd cheats band yeah, before the cheats. uh yeah between yeah. the between the cheats and uh his uh like thrash band eviction so yeah, a lot of yeah. played with the trash brats back in the day and same thing when i say jeff Dahl. They were on Jeff Dahl's compilations, and so, yeah, it was a natural sort of thing with us and them to get together and become friends because at, at that time, as I say, there was only a few of us out there doing it and liking that stuff, so it was like, hey, you guys are like the Dolls and shit, and like Hanoi Rocks and Dogs and more and the Dolls and shit, and yeah, we, we do like that stuff, we're doing this, and yeah, you guys, we should play together sometime because no one else likes us. <laughs> we can like each other. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's listen to this song. Um, so this is underground. That's right. This yeah. was all an introduction. This is all an song. introduction to the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's, yeah. Play, let's play. Let's play hey, underground. It's a yeah. Great song. Yeah, it's it is a great song. It, it is a good song. Um, all right, underground by the Black Halos off the Violent Years.
playground there um off the violent years um there was another great song well all the songs in that album are great but what was the one um well you mentioned buddy holly and the big bopper and richie valens and stuff lost in the 90s lost in the 90s yeah Yeah, that song is funny because like you say we had this working at the store cheap thrills that was next door to where the underground had moved is that a kid came in one day and I'd always be playing music, managing that store. I'd always play music and I was playing Buddy Holly. And this kid comes in and he's all punked out. And he goes, what the fuck are you listening to, man? I said, Buddy Holly. He goes, who? I said, you know, Buddy Holly, the kid with the glasses. He's like, what? And I went, God, this kid don't even know who Buddy Holly is. Should have punched him. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like going, man. You know, those guys, like say, when it comes to touring and you're on tour in that, that van, and that was it, on tour in the van and there's no heat. It's, you're in Washington, D.C. during a snowstorm with no heat and no brake pads, and you're going down the winding hill and you're looking going, yeah, I wonder if this is how they felt on that bus with no heat and, you know, yeah. But then you draw straws and... Oh, I got the hey, plane. Yeah, I got on the plane. Who's the pilot? Buddy Holly's the pilot. That's who's flying the plane. <laughs> Buddy fucking Holly, I'm flying the plane. <laughs> oh, shit. You know, that's when you got a bad flight, when you get on and you're like, hi, this is Buddy Holly, and I'm going to be your pilot for the day and your co-pilot, the big bopper. Yeah, you know you're in trouble. <laughs> you know? Chantilly Lace. Yeah, they, they toured in a, same with the Sex Pistols, but they, they were doing it way before anyone doing hardcore tours. Bands like that, where you go, tours like that, it's like you read about that tour and you're like, wow, no heat in the winter. Yeah. Driving, yeah. Through, driving through a ton of shitholes. Yeah. Yeah. The... Yeah. Shitholes and your wife's home pregnant. And I'm like, and you're trying to call pay phones going out and the pay phones call your wife and you're like, Holy shit, Gary, do you see what a hard life you had? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's actually, actually, Buddy Holly's got a fascinating life story. He really does. Oh, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, well, how old was when he died? He was very young, right? Oh, yeah, way too young. Well, Richie Valens, I think, how old was Richie Valens? Like, 17, I think. Like, yeah, I think 17, he was 17, yeah. or 18. Can you imagine if that guy, that kid had reached like his 20s, what he would have produced? Because that guitar playing. I don't care what anyone says. You listen to like Richie's Blues and Turkish Town and stuff like Richie Valens and some of that guitar playing. That for for a seventeen year old, that's amazing. Yeah, I, he would have been. He would have been more famous than Lou Diamond Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Richie, not my Richie. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because it be, well, the thing with Buddy Holly that's amazing, I think, because he was in his early twenties, I think, when he died, but he had he had like published over a hundred songs already. Oh yeah, and he wrote. He was like a, he was a songwriting machine. Yeah, he yeah. was near the end where, like, you know, classical musicians were bowing to him. I mm. mean, you know, twenty years old. Come on, like, what have you done? <laughs> yeah, makes you feel a little deficient. Yeah, exactly. Like Beethoven, sure he can write a symphony, but can he do anything else? Nine. No. <laughs> <laughs> twenty. 23 years old. Nope, not even. 22. He didn't quite make it to 23. Yeah, well, I said, you know, Mozart and Beethoven, they were composing on birth, right? So, I mean, I was barely out of my parents' basement by then. <laughs> you know, barely. <laughs> well, let's move on. Um, so what happened so with Sub Pop? How did, how did that end with, this, with the whole Sub Pop <laughs> thing? 
our van had broken down and we were like, I think we were just spent. The van broke down and we tried calling Sub Pops. We were like, we're stranded. We've got no way to get this thing fixed. We've got, we're broke, we're broke, we're stranded on the side of the road. And they basically said, Jonathan Poneman is on a yogic retreat on some mountaintop somewhere and cannot be reached. And we can't really help you without Jonathan's okay. So he's going to be gone for a while. We don't know how long because he's, yeah, doing this meditation on a yogic, in a yogic retreat. <laughs> so That's punk rock right there. <laughs> we don't want to say, but there's nothing we can do for you. And I remember we're in the van and Rich was like, fuck this. You know what? I'm writing a letter and he wrote this scathing letter <laughs> to Sub Pop saying, we want off the label. You know, if you you do this, you can't even bail us out where we're stranded on the side of the road with no way to get home. Fuck you. And yeah, we're off your fucking label. And yeah. So yeah, that's, that's how that went. <laughs> well, that's a shame. Cause I might got to imagine they had more money than God at that point. Right. I don't know. I've, I've heard that Jonathan has like a million dollars locked away in there, stuck in his couch that he made off of Nirvana, but he just keeps in there. But who knows? I never got to go to Johnson's couch because otherwise I would have tried to reach in and grab it. <laughs> <laughs> so you, um, let's see. So going fast forward to 2005, the third album, Alive Without Control. Um, so this was on that German label, right? You put this out? On the, you... No, that actually no, that actually came out on Century Media, huh. an offshoot of Century Media called Liquor and Poker. Okay. Oh, the big, the big metal Central Meat Century Century Media is a huge metal label, huge. Yeah, they wanted to do. They kind of got, I guess that they there's this guy who basically got with with the label, and he had convinced them. Yeah, hey, just like with Sub Pop, rock and roll is the next big thing. Punk rock and roll. It's going to be the next big thing, this trash rock thing. And yeah, we're going to let's sign a bunch of bands and put out a subway called Liquor and Poker and we'll put out all that stuff. So, yeah, we had this manager, Don Robertson, and he loved the band and basically had said, You guys got to get the band back together and I'll get you a deal. I got you a deal with Liquor and Poker. It's off Century Media. And we were like, well, what band? You know, me and Rich had a big blow up and me and Rich went talking to each other and we had broken up and Matt was off doing Matt things and we were like, yeah, well, what band? And he said, well, he talked to Rob, Robbie the drummer, talked to Jay and got a hold of me and said, okay, I've got a bass player and a guitarist in Seattle. Billy, I'm going to pay for a train ticket. You're taking a train up to Seattle. You'll be staying with them, and you're going into a jam space, and you're writing some songs. And the Halos are back with these two new guys, and go to it. And so I went in and got into a jam space with with Davey French and, and Kelly Wheeler, bass player, Davey French, guitar player, and we wrote two songs instantly: the title track and Three Sheets to the Wind. The first song, Three Sheets to the Wind. And the first day we jammed together, and I was like, well, it's like old times. It's, it's new, but it's like old times. We wrote two songs, first jam. And it just went from there. And yeah, we ended up on Liquor and Poker with, once again, a bunch of really cool cool bands on that label, including Hanoi Rocks. So yeah, we were, we were pretty stoked anyways. And yeah, it was like a rebirth of the band with two new members and 
once again, albums out. Let's go. Hit the road. Get in the van, kids. <laughs> and away we went. Now, were you, were you just touring U.S. and Canada, or did you do international as well? Yeah, we did. Like before with the Halos in Spain, there's something about Spain where Spain, they, they just, I, I can't say enough about the love of the Spanish people and my love for them and our love for them and their love for us. So, yeah, we went to, to Spain because you got to do Spain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Spain. Yeah, I love it. I love, I love the Spanish people. I just well, you were you were you were Billy Benito, not Billy yeah. That's Fayo. true. That's true. Be, exactly. be Billy. Exactly. <laughs> uh, that's it. You know, like so. Yeah, we did that, but a lot of the U.S. and Canada's labels out of the U.S. So you know, South by Southwest. Oh, did someone just tap into the mic? Because the mic kind of went all wacky. I don't know. Yes. Oh. It sounds like he's at the bottom of a well. Yeah. Did he fall down a well, Billy? Did he fall down? No, help me, help me. <laughs> Am I in the bottom of the well still? Yeah. Lassie, yeah. Billy's in the bottom of the well. Yeah. Yeah, we might have to try and call you. We might have to try and call you back, maybe. Oh, God, help No, that's better. That's oh, better. You're, you're back. back again. Oh, you're back. Yeah. Okay, back. There we go. I'm out of the well. Out of the well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, right out of the hole. I'm in the black halos. Come on. We invented the hole. We are the hole. Yeah. So did this so this album um actually the yeah cuz the reason I thought it was on that German label is cuz that's I think those are the only people that put it out on vinyl and that's the one that I have it's by yeah I used to fuck people yeah. like you in prison it was put out on CD by Century Media yeah not yeah. much vinyl in two, not much vinyl in 2005 it was not much of it to come by in general no it was that that good old compact disc Ugh. yeah what do you do with them now, right? Hang them up in your garden to keep birds away? I don't know. Put them in a fucking box and just hide them, basically, is what I do with them. Yeah. Coasters. Yeah, coasters. Yeah. So are you, are you a vinyl guy, just out of interest? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've always, always been. Always love vinyl. It's it's, it's the superior form. It's a great form. Yeah, I agree. Agreed. Uh, so we're going to listen to, actually, you already talked up this track. So Third World USA was on this album, and you've already said that was about Detroit, right? My yeah. beautiful my beautiful Detroit, man. I can't believe you're talking yeah, trash Tom, about such a wonderful, Silver wonderful city. from Michigan, yeah. yeah. Silver Dollar, man. Oh, so glorious. You know, I'm, not <laughs> yeah. I'm not talking to Magic Stick and, like, that fenced-off, gated community where, like, that, yep, yeah, the, yeah, white the stripes, area. white stripes all live and stuff. I'm yeah. talking Detroit. But there's something glorious to it. Even that, I'd say there's something, like, really, you know, it's something really enthralling about, like, say, with downtown east side here. It's something really enthralling about being in that natural jungle environment where any second someone could come stick a knife to your throat and say, hey, do you know the Lord's Prayer? You know, there's something... <laughs> There is, there is definitely a certain the people who come from there definitely have a certain toughness that you don't necessarily want to mess with. Yeah, and sometimes you find the best sandwiches in those areas. I don't know what it is, but yeah, like I say, when you go to Detroit, you can find like some really good food in those areas. Yeah, because <laughs> people, that's it. What else you got to live for? They're that's... known for their, they're known for their chili dogs, so you should be very happy. Yeah, there, there you go. Tony Island dog. Well, it's funny because when Ricky was on, I think it was Ricky Rat was on. I think he said, you know, everything from Detroit's just got that little bit of extra because it's it is a hard place. You know, it's like the bands; they all try a little harder. They all have that little bit of 
a little bit of extra grit, you know? Everything so, except for yeah. the Detroit Lions, apparently, Tom. Yeah, the Lions have no grit, yes. They, <laughs> they have one tie now, though. You've got you like, that's the thing. It's really weird in Detroit, I always found, like, because it's really, there's that subdivision where it's like, okay, here's the nice side, and here's the nice side, and then there's the other side. And I remember the last time we were there, we ended up going to visit someone's parents there, and it was like, literally where it's like, Checkpoint Charlie, you go through in the gated community thing, <laughs> and you're like, looking going like, this is to keep them out. Yes, yes. <laughs> and yeah. And you're like, looking like, you get in there and it's all Pleasantville, and I, you know, you're literally like, oh look, yeah, there it is. There's, there's Mike, there's um, there's, there's the white stripes, and oh look, this, and you're looking like, and they're all living these nice, like, old, looking like they're these hardcore old timey guys, blues guys, but they're living in these like. Well, would you like a mint julep? Oh yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the people, the the people you went to visit probably got a really sternly worded letter from the homeowners association after you left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need yeah. to control your visitors. <laughs> we can still smell them. <laughs> There's a trail, a slug trail of stench. Yeah, like good, letting it be or Yeah. So, anyways, that like it's really weird that way. You know, they really kind of gets me but i kind of yeah i kind of like you know you miss the tank sometimes what about the dank mo <laughs> anyways this song's just it was really to me on that album it was a real great hey great Sim, great simpsons reference there billy i did not miss that i did not <laughs> yeah. miss that simpsons reference. Good i did yeah i did <laughs> but anyway this, as i say this song i really like this song and the guitarist at the time adam Beckbar, he was like Oh, we can't do that song. You can't do that song because it's almost putting down the U.S. And, you know, we don't want to do that. And you can't. And so him and Rob had this whole thing where it's like, and you can't name a third world USA because, oh, my God, you're putting down the U.S. And I was like, well, isn't this a punk rock band? <laughs> I was like, but, oh, no, I'm putting down the U.S. on a U.S. label. Oh, my God. What are the punkers going to say? Calling the people poets. And a nice young ones reference there as well. Well, it's Very funny because we've talked about we've talked about this so many times, and we know like when did punk rock have to become a good taste? When did they yeah. decide everything has to be a good taste? You know yeah. what? Screw these. Yeah, yeah, well, when is it? When it kind of be like being what anti-establishmentarianism? Oh my yeah. lord! Don't do that. <laughs> That's you're I going mean, to who's, get... who's the G.G. Allen? Who's the guy who's going to dare to throw his poop at us? We need that. Well, we need the poop I've... throw. Apparently, it's that girl who pissed on someone on stage last week, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Plays in that crappy cover band. Yeah. All right. Um, so, I, so, again, so, this again. I, this was all an introduction to a song. Yeah. yeah, this is all an introduction to Third World <laughs> USA. So, let's give it a spin off of Alive Without Control.
So there it was. That was uh, Third World USA. Uh, yeah, off of Alive Without Control, Halo's third album. I'm wondering if did you guys did you happen to play Grand Rapids, Billy? Yeah, I think we did. I'm pretty sure we did. Yeah, we played Grand Rapids. There you go, Tom. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, there's we we had some we had some pretty cool venues here. I'm sure he probably doesn't remember the venue because they all look the same after a while. But yeah, I'd love to <laughs> love to know where he might have played. But I don't remember it. I have to look at uh, my tour books. Oh, do you keep like you keep like records? Oh yeah, I've got everything. Really? That's oh, yeah. that's very interesting for punk rock bands because most of them are just like I don't know. No, I keep everything and try to remember. You know, it's places you remember, like Barnstormers Pizza. You know, certain places that you'll never, Harry Mary's, you'll never forget the Moines. Some venues you never forget. You're like, either they treated you so good or it was so ridiculous. You're like, oh, God, remember that one? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that, that, that's actually an interesting question. So where were some of your favorite places to play? Uh, the Continental in New York, for sure. The Continental is really great. Uh, the Triple Rock, the Triple Rock, awesome. the Triple Rock was—it's you know—they treated you really good. Spain, as I say, Spain, it's about the food. Yeah. Really, yeah. Food I bet when you eat hot dog, when you eat hot dogs all the time, if somebody takes the trouble oh, yeah. to feed you, I would think that would be a big bonus. Yeah, it's, it's a Spanish hot dog. Yeah. It's got paella on it. Something. Like the worst, the worst food in Spain, where they like, or in Portugal. I remember in Portugal, we play in Portugal, and they bring me this plate it's like a big bowl and it's got a fried egg a steak potatoes cheese gravy bacon and all in a bowl and i'm like oh this is one of my favorite meals of all time yeah it's got everything like in it. A, yeah it's got everything it said it's, the steak is fantastic now oh i'm so sorry this is like a peasant's meal <laughs> like, <laughs> you haven't been you haven't been at the truck stop at 4 a.m have you yeah you know, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad to know that peasants ate better than punk rockers? <laughs> yeah. you, don't, you don't understand when we say a peasant meal. And, you know, yeah, go through the U.S. and drive through the U.S. and yeah, tour the U.S. and some of those places. You don't understand a peasant meal. Yeah, it's really that's what it comes down to. It's like for me, for me, it's like the people. But it, you'd be the shittiest room in the world too. It's who you're with, right? Yeah. Or the so I can say that 4 a.m. hot dog, if you're eating it with at the right time with the right people, it still holds something glorious because it's, it's really about the company. So when when you when you were touring all over like this, were you headlining or were you uh, were you doing backing vo- uh, backing for for another band or something? Or it's always different, right? A lot of times we were headlining. We did a bunch of headline tours. That yeah, we would go out with bands like Zeke. Who you know mm-hmm. Zeke? Yeah, yeah, one of yeah. Power forces and rock and roll yeah touring with them and the devils and yeah we toured going toured bands and play with bands and yeah sometimes there's opening like social distortion you know later on going out and playing touring with social distortion mm. it was awesome i gotta say you know they treated us even though they gave us the worst pizza every night <laughs> i mean you know every single night the same pizza pepperoni pizza and it was always somehow they find the worst pizza place in town <laughs> <laughs> Here you go, guys. Here's your large pizza, and we're like again. Yeah, shut I'm up. pretty sure Mike. I'm pretty sure Mike Ness handles all the pizza arrangements himself. So we're gonna. <laughs> yeah, we'll play so I think he's just like he was. He's like, you know, back in the day when we, you know, when we started out, we didn't get no choice of vegan or vegetarian. <laughs> we didn't get 
we'd yeah. go to that gas station at 4 a.m. and we'd look at that hot dog that's rotating. And he was like, "Here you go, guys. You guys, you gotta, you gotta live it to sing it. Have your punk. You have your worst pizza in the world. Uh, <laughs> hey, can you, well, hey, excuse me. Well, you get ordering them the worst, finding the worst pizza in the world for them. Can you get uh, some uh, vegetarian Indian food from the best restaurant that serves in town?" <laughs> He paid his dues, but we were still paying, man. <laughs> we're always paying. I haven't seen no. I don't feel talk about this punk rock cred. All I've seen is punk rock debt. I don't understand <laughs> what this cred is. But everyone keeps telling me. Well, maybe you maybe you can pay your rent in credibility. Call your landlord oh, and, and say, dogs. "Hey, man, I, yeah. have, I don't have a lot of cash, but I got a lot of credibility. How much is that worth?" <laughs> yeah, I ain't seen. We ain't seen no cred. We seen debt, man. That's all it is. <laughs> That's how it is. I don't know. This punk rock cred, I'm still waiting for it. <laughs> I hear it's coming. Like that said, so he got good food instead of the shitty pizza. But yeah, so we toured with him. Yeah, we toured. We did a lot of times. We'd go out on our own, you know, with other bands or time and take other bands with us opening. And then a lot of other times, it's the opposite. Where it's like, hey, you want to go out with these guys? And like Al Seven, as I say, Al Seven, another one that Sisters for Life. I love them. Al Seven. They're Tur- a great live, great live band too. Oh yeah, Thra- Tur- thrash man. around like thrash around like nobody's business. I, I mean, I hate to say they play like men, but man, are they physical when they play? They're amazing. Uh, they just play like killer musicians. They're down yep. to kill. They're just, I love them. I love. They were so fun to go out on the road with, and still, like, anytime I see them, I'm just like, are we talking? Like, let's go out again. I want to go out with you girls again. <laughs> Can we go out. <laughs> Let's go, let's go date again, shall we? Well, I'll tell you what, let's fast forward a few years and talk about um, the next album, the fourth album, right? Because you said the band, this Jay had already left by this time, right? So it was basically just yeah. you and you and somebody else? Yeah, Jay went and joined the Spitfires, who are going to go see tonight, a great rock and roll band from Vancouver. And you'll see him tonight playing with another great Vancouver band, Bishop Screen, and these young upstarts called DOA that are playing their hardcore <laughs> one album, um, start to finish. You know, if you have nice, heard, yeah, yeah, sounds like a great lineup. Oh, yeah, it's all family, so it's gonna be fun. But, anyways, Jay left to join the Spitfires eventually, and it was just me and Rob the drummer, which you know. It just didn't really work for me because it almost like the heart was gone and the guys that got in the band, it was it just wasn't right. I think Rob wanted it. To, Robbie wanted to turn Joy Division into New Order. And, <laughs> you know, so Boogie and Curtis, I was like... Boy, he's got some great references, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah he does. Great, all I'm over out, the place. Simpsons I'm, and the Young Ones I'm, I'm, and like, Joy I'm out of here. I'm out of here. And you can tell right from that album, from the start of that album, the first track, Disbelief, I I remember I looked and said, when I said I quit, and they're all like, what, you you, you got quit? And I was like, didn't you listen to the lyrics I was singing? It's like Kurt, it's like Kurt Cobain in utero, man. He's saying, I'm going to kill myself for now that recently Hank from Turbo Negro. Yeah. You know, so unfortunate, him, he's dead. But you listen to like the last album and you're like, okay, what's the opening track? I want to die. And you're like, yeah, and you're like, was anyone listening? Did anyone with Kurt Cobain, did anyone listen to what he said and say that stuff? Uh, maybe that's people sure took him seriously and went, 
uh, we better take care of this because this guy's like, he's not doing so well. He's not thinking. And that's what that is. That's, that's the first song in that album, Disbelief. I think I pretty clearly stated, I'm out of here. Fuck this. I'm unhappy with the band and the way things are going. This is not the band I started with Rich. You're trying to change it into something that it isn't. And I don't want to be a part of this anymore. And I ended up saying that to him. Did you listen to the lyrics? And they're like, well, yeah. And they're like, didn't you realize what it's saying? It's all about you guys. It's about you and how you're fucking what I love. I'm out of here. Fuck you. <laughs> well, it's, and it's it's funny that you mentioned the Joy Division line there as well, because I always thought that about um, the second track off of Closer, Isolation. Yeah. I mean, if that is Ian Curtis telling everybody that he's basically going to fucking top himself, I don't know what. Oh, yeah. People just weren't listening, you know? No, he was not happy. And they, it's, you know it is. It's the same old story that we're saying. We saw that I can pretty much guarantee they were going, okay, well, you know what? Uh, let's make some more commercially viable music. And uh, yeah, we don't want to be like this anymore. This obscure, like avant-garde. We want to. We want to. We want to make. We want to make some money here. Yeah. And put some disco gonna, back into it, right? Yeah, and that's you know uh, Dave Grohl. And Kurt kills himself. Dave Grohl goes and starts the Foo Fighters. And you're looking, going, how does the drummer get royalties for a song? I'll tell you how. (laughs) (laughs) That's how. Well, the singer killed himself. And uh, yeah, he's also the guitar player. So he wrote the songs. And uh, yeah, well, Ringo. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. well, but I tell you what, though, there's, there's some really good songs on that fourth album, though. I mean, I really love We Are Not Alone. The title track is great. Some people like it. Yeah. I, I like Dreamboat. I think Dreamboat was a good song. It wasn't really, a, I don't know, it just, I think it was also the, the production or something. Like, the guys in the band, I remember when we were in the studio, I had to sing, it's the first time I've ever sang my own backups hmm. on an album. I never sang backups. And I remember Jack and Dino said, called our manager at the time, we was running the label History Music in the studio, and he goes, you guys got to do something with it. He goes, I got the Vienna Boys Choir. Because <laughs> this is not the back cables. I've got the Vienna Boys Choir, and he played it. He goes, I can't, I don't want to have Jack and Dino. Like, I don't want my name on this thing. You guys got to do something to fix this. And I ended up going, here, I'll sing back. Comes. And I'll do a really rough, like Gene Simmons rough. I'll just shout out this Fitzy do those type of backups on it. Put my voice on there and turn this down a bit. And I'll do the backups. Because Jack's like, well, it's the only thing that's going to save this. Hmm. And so, yeah, that was, you know, that sort of the production on it and stuff. It just, it didn't, it didn't work for me. And the writing, the writing that way that, yeah, as I say, it was like a battle. That whole album was a real battle trying to, for me, trying to go, well, how do we keep this and keep this a Halos record and them going, how do we make this into something that's not the Halos that we want? Hmm. So so you, you you quit the band right after the album was recorded or something? Uh, no, we went out on tour and our band got stolen and trailer and that was the final blow. We went on tour and I was a wreck. I was getting, I was like basically on destruction mode because I was unhappy and so I was becoming a total wreck on the tour, on tour, and our van got stolen in Montreal, and yeah, with our trailer and all the gear, and that was the final blow. I think that was it. Where it's like, 
okay, now we've lost the van, we've lost our merch, all our personal stuff, our banner, and the van and the trailer, and all the gear's gone, and fuck this. I was like, that yeah. was for me. When we got back home, finally the tour is over, and I was like, fuck this, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's over. So after the band split, what did you end up doing? You did another band, uh, or did you just did you just uh, do other stuff yeah, for a while? The Benitos, I started up the Benitos, and we put out a couple of releases with the Benitos, a couple of seven inches, and went and played a bunch of shows, and went and played Vegas and stuff with the Benitos. And then that, I just looked sort of same thing. I was like, oh, I'm not really happy with this either. It's inner, inner turmoil, and guys didn't want it to be something else, and the guitarist was a great guitar player, a great guy, but he, he really wanted it to be a cock rock band, I think, and that's just not me, so I I wasn't into it. I remember he said to me, if you don't sing these lyrics, then I can't be in a band with you. And it was like, I thought you were a stripper, but I knew you were a peeler when I found you go give him head to my cocaine dealer. Oh. And I was like, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Should have sold that. Should have sold that one to Tommy Lee or so. Sold that one to Molly Crew or something. Huh? Uh oh. Uh oh. You went down. You you went down the well. You went down the well again. Well again. I wonder what the key is. Yeah. How's that happen? I don't know. I don't, I don't know, but you sound like a million miles. It's bizarre. Away, it sounds man. like he's talking through an old timey radio or something, it like does. a CD. Yeah, it does. Now you're back. He's back. dickety. Now you're back again. In fact, it's better exactly. than ever now. Better than ever. You tied, you tied a, yeah. you tied an onion in your belt, as was the style of the time. Right? Okay, back to the future. <laughs> so yeah. So anyways, I did the Benitos for a bit, and then I started working on a solo solo stuff. And after I broke that up and quit that band, I started doing, said, well, maybe I should just do my own thing. And I put out a solo seven inch and I wrote the song gutter ball. It came out of split with the hip priest, a great band from England, the hip priest named after and a I, full song. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, great rock and roll band, the hip priest and punk rock and roll band. So I was like, yeah, I put out the seven and went to record the seven inch and called in a bunch of friends of mine, Ken Goody Fleming, who used to be in The Unwanted, one of Winnipeg, Canada's first punk rock bands. Yeah, I know that. And FNFU, he was an SNFU and great guitar player. So I grabbed him and I, and there's a bunch of cool new friends of mine, new musicians. And then Rich, I said, hey, Rich, I wrote the song and you want to play on it? And Rich went, yeah, okay. And yeah, Rich's like, let me hear it. And Rich said, oh, it's great. Yeah, I'll play on it. So Rich played on it. And there was people in Spain that were already talking about bringing me there because they'd heard that knew that I'd done the solo thing and wanted to bring me there and play. And so it's like, okay, hey, Rich, well, since we're doing this, you want to come and play in Spain? I'm thinking about booking a tour of Spain and doing a Billy Hope with solo tour of Spain. And Rich said, well, if we're going to do that, then, you know, listening to that song, it pretty much might as well be a Halo song because really it's got it's you and me on it. And, you know, if we're going to go tour together, why don't we just do the Halos? And I was like, yeah, well, I'm sure they'd love that in Spain if we did the Halos. So, yeah, we got back together and started writing writing stuff together. And, yeah, and it's been great. We put out a 7-inch called Geisterbomb 2 and that's 7-inch and... Well, Went out and toured Spain and 
Yeah, and then Jay jumped back in, and Jay saw how much fun we were having, and went, "Oh shit! Look at those knuckleheads! The stupid looking <laughs> sit back together, and look at they're they're drunk, they're drinking, and they're having a good time in Spain." So Jay was like, "Actually, you know what, guys? We'd asked Jay new like quite a few times before that, and Jay just went, "Yeah, I'm in." Jay jumped in, and yeah, it's been all head go. So we'll tell you what, what so we're going to play Geisterbahn 2. Why don't you tell us a bit, what, what is that? Is that German, and what's that song about? Yeah, it's German, and well, the, honestly, there was a, we have our fair here in Vancouver, the Pacific National Exhibition, and, you know, it's got the carnival and all that. And when I was a kid, they had this ride called Geisterbahn 2, and it had all the Aurora monster model art which i loved aurora monster models i love old monster movies so i love that art off the boxes of old aurora monster model kits they had all those airbrush on the inside and on the outside of the ride and being a, a young kid who loved aurora monster models and old movie monsters i was like ah i want to go on that dark ride i want to go on that again put me on that dark ride i made my dad take me on it i think about 30 times He's like, why? It's the same thing. And he just he went on it. I was like, I want to see it again. <laughs> and my dad's like, Geisterbahn too. And he's like, Ghost Train. He goes, Ghost Train or Ghost Road. And I, I said, he goes, you know, Geisterbahn. And he's ah, like, right. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 And I, was like, I was like, oh, you know, Ghost Road. And I'm like, yeah. It's like, it's like, it always stuck with me that name. And I was like, never forgot that ride. I never forgot the name, though. So, it really suited, I thought, was the song is basically, to me, it's as any good song with the halos. I always like to think that the opening song pretty much states the state we're in, the band's in, and the situation we're in. And even, to I said, with disbelief on the last album, the situation was Billy's unhappy, Billy wants to fucking out of the band, I want out of the band. Well, this was basically saying, Hey, me and Rich, you know, I said we we had sort of said we'd never work together again, and here we are back together and going back out on the road, and yeah, that's basically the song. That's what it's all about, and to me, his idea of yeah, the Halos back together. I didn't think it would ever happen, and I, me, as I said, me and Rich was like, "Fuck that guy, no, fuck that guy." <laughs> yeah, we're never talking again. It was a terrible divorce, <laughs> and. Yeah, but it, back together. Well, that's cool. You know, sounds totally about to me. We'll say what. Let's let's, let's listen to that. Um, let's listen to Geister Bond Two, which was a seven inch from twenty nineteen.
Geisterbahn 2 there, so that's, uh, yeah, Ghost Ghost Road, I guess, because, you know, Kraftwerk's famous song, Autobahn, I guess that, that would Autobahn. make sense. Yeah, Geisterbahn. Um, so that was on Yeah Right Records, right? Where, where, where are they out of? They're out of London, Ontario, and they're run by the exalted evil Tony Lima. And Tony used to run a famous club in London called Call the Office. And like we say, favorite places oh, yeah. to play. We love playing Call the Office because Tony always gave us really good food and paid us really well. And he'd always say stuff like, I remember when we played, he'd be like, what are you doing? Break something. <laughs> he'd encourage me and he'd be like, smash something, destroy. I got to hire these guys. I got these guys who do like maintenance and they don't have anything to do, Billy. Go smash <laughs> And I always really loved that encouragement by Tony. You know, he was, you know, that really always inspired a great performance and a great show. Having that that encouragement from the the club owner. So yeah, I love. And uh, yeah, that he put it out on his label. His label's great. They put out lots of great stuff. Yeah, right. He's put out lots of great music. He truly loves rock and roll and punk rock and roll. Like he he's traveled for shows. I always hear him. He's like. Oh man, I can't believe the show's going on. So who's going? <laughs> I laugh and go, "Yeah, you really get it." I think one of my favorite quotes by him was, "You can't say you've ever really lived until you've driven down a road with no lights, with a thick fog rolling in, and you're listening to Danzig One." <laughs> there you go, Tom. Have you ever done that? <laughs> I haven't done that, but I've listened to that album about five hundred times. <laughs> I'm like, I was like, I've been there in the van. Yeah, been there, and I'm like, yeah, totally, Tony. That that is living. <laughs> That's truly you know, living. Yeah, it's like it's the only way you can truly understand "Twist a Cane" is if you're driving down a dark road with no lights, listening to it, going 100 miles an hour. That's the only way you can really understand it. Yeah, he suddenly humpy out world makes sense. He's like, yeah, hum, yeah, whoa. I, I, I see into the mind of I see into the mind of Glenn Danzig all of a sudden. Oh, <laughs> Might yeah. be hallucinating. I come alive and yeah, hum ya wo yeah, yeah, hum ya yeah, yeah, hum ya yeah. It's all hum ya wo, man, but it makes sense when you're on that road and the fog's rolling. So yeah, eat nothing but hot dogs and yeah, yeah hot like, dogs, more hot dogs for everybody. You're looking forward, you're looking at looking going, man. Yeah, it's a long way back from hell. And when's that truck stop going to fuck the lights? The lights, the truck stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At 4 a.m. hot dog, right? Yeah, you know it. So, I yeah. mean, do you think they could? I hope they still play that song. You know, the Rolling Stones famously on their tour they're doing right now are no longer playing the song Brown Sugar. Yeah. Now, I don't, I don't which is stupid. Who doesn't like sugar all the time? I put on my oatmeal and stuff. You know, like, who don't like brown sugar? Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. Well, but it's stupid they're not playing that. So Danzig needs to stick to his guns because he can't stop playing Long Way Back to Hell with it's sold in slavery down in New Orleans. We still need to hear that song on the rare yeah, occasion he comes to town. So you can't erase, don't sell out, Danzig. You can't erase history. Yeah. You can't erase history. Exactly. Well, they sure are trying. Yeah, yeah, I guess they are. But it ain't going to happen. I mean, no. you can't hide it. You can't hide it. Just, exactly. Putting it away and locking it away doesn't make it any better. It just means that you're hiding your guilt. Well, you I well, just 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 gives your kids a chance to repeat it because they don't hear about it. Oh yeah, you got to put it out in people's faces and go, "Hey, you know what? Yeah, look what the fucking shit we did." Because the whole human exactly. race 
terrible. We were all terrible. I don't care what anyone says. We were pretty much the human race. We were terrible. That's why they called it the Dark Ages. Yeah. Yeah. That's they, we got, they should take the school kids to the concentration camps. This guy, this this went down a fucking rabbit hole all of a sudden. <laughs> what right, the, right. the hell are we talking about? Oh, here's Jesus. the thing. Okay, here's the thing, right? And when because it sure does work with where it's going, where this ends up. You're just not letting it get to the end. And the end is that we have to learn from our mistakes, right? Because mistakes, that's how you learn, is by right. mistake. Right. So with the halos, when why are we back together? It's because I guess we're not done making mistakes yet. <laughs> we're learning all the time but we keep making mistakes so we can learn we're really good learners well you actually did something really nice for that second release that you did on yeah right uh the second single in 2020 uh, that was all the proceeds went to the uh to the snf yeah. memorial right yeah the chai pig murals because chai chai god i can't say enough about him i miss him every day mm-hmm. like we're we for the last I don't know how many years we've always lived. And Chai, he's really weird. He had this—he's got these really neat eccentric things. I've known him for ages, and he always had these weird eccentric texts. And one of them was, he goes, "Do you realize that we've lived in a four-block radius of each other for the last four years, or four places that we've lived in?" And I was like, "No, I never really realized that." And he like he had to think like seven. He had to think like seven letter, seven word titles every album real thing with numbers but uh, yeah for the last four house places that we you've lived in we've lived in a four block radius of each other and i was like oh and he's like yeah it's very interesting to me and, but yeah so i'd see chai like all the time and we spend a lot of time like i always say it's like bruce lee and chuck norris talking about martial arts <laughs> we'd sit and we'd like didn't go and have like jamaican food and go and have chai chai tea or go and have a couple cocktails and we just talk about life and stuff but then about song craft and there was nights where i'd stay up all night with him and when yeah one place i lived in i'd go and we'd end up hanging out we'd stay up all night together and just talk about songwriting and he'd show me his new lyrics and i'd show him my stuff and talk about it a lot and yeah i really miss him i just i really miss chai he was a magical person but that's the hardest song that seven inch uh it's never a good time to say goodbye song on that we did covered an snfu song but rich said to me he's like you knew how much chai meant to me and how basically i was crushed when chai died i was broken and rich said to me he goes hey do you want to do a benefit are you trying to do this mural you want to write a song and put out a benefit it might help you and so i wrote you would write a song write a song get it out and i wrote a song and rich was like that's not good that's not doing chai justice that doesn't work that song's not good enough and once again i wasn't hurt by it but rich goes here let me try and lay some guitar down and come up with something and maybe you'll get inspired and he did and that song is the hardest song i've ever wrote and the hardest song i've ever sang I was literally crying singing that song, and still I can't listen to it or sing it when I'm walking down the street without starting to get teary-eyed because I think about Chai and I really yeah, he could have been my brother, he could have been my lover, he was just he was just something. What a truly great artist and great friends I've had in my life. So yeah, that's awesome, that, man. It's a great tribute to Chai Yeah, what a what a talent, what an artist, you know. Like, as I say, a performer, he was the whole deal. And 
just a character and an artist and yeah, beyond like we're around the world, the amount of love that and admiration Chai Pig has is just amazing to me, you know. For a small town kid from Edmonton, you know, a strange little kid from Edmonton. Yeah. He sure did something. He sure left a mark and some incredible art behind him. His last song, I don't know if you've heard it, the last song called Cement Mixer, which was like, yeah, one of his last songs and basically his his moment of saying goodbye to all my beautiful friends, Cement Mixer. That song, another one that just, yeah, just pour, pour the vinegar in my eye, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wash my eye out with vinegar and bleach because fucking I'm going to cry my brains out if you put that on. Wow. Yeah. Um, Bring us up to date of 2021. You put out a new was 45. That, were we, were, did, where were we at for songs, Neil? Was that? We got one, I, we, we got one I more to play. I lost track if yeah, we, we were. Yeah, we got I one. lost track if that was another introduction to a song or it's not. not actually, it's, it's not actually. It's not actually. Well, right, well we could. I'll stand out. No, I mean, we could what, if you want. What do you, what do you expect? You know, I mean, come on, you're dealing with a great Canadian train wreck. You think we're going to stay on track? <laughs> No, no, we don't. We, as a matter of fact, we don't even. We don't. We never. We don't even try to stay on track. It's not even. It's not yeah. even something we can. Yeah, we don't have tracks. We don't have tracks. I mean, we can play that if you want. If if you if you if you'd like to play that, uh, Billy, that's fine. I don't know. It make people cry and make me cry. You know, I think if they want, if they if you want to, you want a tear jerk or you want to like really hear the, the cover. The cover, the National View cover is great. But yeah, if you really want to want to hear a man like bad feeling loss then yeah you'd put it on but i'm trying to move forward now. Sure. gotcha gotcha no right. okay right. so, i'm sorry i'm sorry to interrupt you go ahead you go, you go ahead neil you, you were... smile now i'm trying to look back and smile and i go by the bureau yeah the bureau is here in vancouver too one in edmonton i haven't seen yet but the one here and i go by it and i talk to him all the time and you know in the pub that he used to drink at pub 340 i go by there and i talk to him all the time and I figure that's where he's at. He's like at that pub 340, but that mural, that's why I figure if he was alive, they had a mural of him before, a small mural, someone had painted in Vancouver. And I remember Chai would go stand in front of it and sell paintings to people and do drawings and sell drawings to people. But he'd stand in front of it and go, hey, you want to take a picture of me in front of it? Five bucks. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, gotta, gotta yeah do it well, I figure his spirit's out there standing in front of it going, hey, Billy, they got a mural of you up in the city? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe fuck someday, you, man. Yeah, fuck you, pig. <laughs> I'm going, well, do they? And looking at it, just looking at that mural, going, thanks. I'll get me going, thanks. So I always go and talk to it there. And, you know, it makes me move forward a bit. Well, let's move forward to um, the new 45. I guess you'd call it an EP, right? I had three tracks on it um, that yeah. came out uh, just, I think, was it like June or something like that of this year called Uncommonwealth, right? Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, that that one that came out the Slave of Curse Blessings, which the mighty Al Nolan from the Almighty Trigger Happy, a great Canadian punk band, he started the Slave of Curse Blessings, which is putting out a bunch, puts out a bunch of metal and a bunch of punk rocks and stuff. And he wanted us. He was a fan and said, you know, I'm a fan and hey, I want to put something out. So we were like, okay, well, let's do uh, an EP, a three song EP. And me and Rich once again went straight to work and. Wrote wrote the song on Commonwealth, and I love it. It's it's pretty. It's a good. I think the world needed a kick in the nuts because mm-hmm. we put up all the stuff that was sort of like 
you know, Geister Bond and the Tandem Ground to B side. It's very Brit, Brit pop, more like the jam and, you know, a bit more relaxed feeling and moody feeling. I think we needed to kick people in the nuts again. And, you know, that's what this was, I think. It's like, well, it's, yeah, let's give people a good kick in the nuts and run away. And, yeah, so we did that, wrote that song. And then the second song, Fossil Fuel, was written back with Geister at the time of Geister Bond. But the recording of it, I wasn't really happy with the recording of it, so we went and did that again. Redid that song to make it, you know, to put on a proper recording. And then the third song on the EP is Bad Birdland from England. They were great. And when Rich and Jay were working at this record store, it was in the delete bin. As soon as it came out, Birdland's album was in the delete bin. And Rich was like, Hey, check out this band named after a Patty Smith song. There you go. They're yeah. Really, yeah, they're really cool. And they're in the delete bin for like a buck. And I was like, grab and bought it. And it's like, I got coffee. They're great. And the song Shoot You Down is when we were still Blackfired Babies way back in the beginning in the early 90s. And we were like, yeah, we cover that song all the time, but we never recorded it. So I was like, when it came to this, I was like, hey, we're trying to choose a song to cover. And I was like, how about that? Birdland song we used to do. We never we never recorded it. Rich was like, oh, we could kill that song now. You know, back then we were like in our early stages, but now we'd sway that song. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. So we did that as our the third song on it, which is really cool because it's a band that probably slipped past people's under people's radars or people didn't check out the delete bins enough and <laughs> missed out on really missed out on Birdland. Great band and some people have had some people actually say, oh, fuck, I can't believe you acknowledge Birdland. It's so great. I love Birdland. But other people have been like, hey, check out that band. They're great. You know, you guys always keep doing that, pulling out these bands and going, hey, the Hangman. <laughs> we covered the Hangman back when they weren't, bad, they weren't together. But the Hangman, what a great, that first Hangman album, one of my essential albums of all time. Yeah, that is a great album. I saw them warming up for Social Distortion, actually, uh, oh, yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. That, was, that is a, they, they were really good. Really underrated. And yeah. then, like, yes, yeah, dogs some more when we covered them, too. And it was like, people out here were like, who? We were like, uh, the dogs some more. You ever listen to Dynamite Jet Saloon? You ever listen to any of Tyler's stuff? Killer band. Yeah. Fucking Joe Dog, Bam. Yeah, I fucking love the dogs. So listen to them and us covering them and feel weird seeing that on violent years when we covered joy division warsaw and we're playing like on the warp tour and stuff kids are coming up going man i love that song we do the counting with the numbers no that's one of my favorite songs you guys have is that on your album and i'm like yeah it's by a bad joy division check them out <laughs> <laughs> yeah you might have heard of them yeah but it's kind of cool because that's how i found out about a lot of bands was there was always these other people or older kids or you'd meet someone and they'd be like, hey, check this band out. If you didn't have the internet or much music and stuff really going on or MTV and stuff. So, and they weren't playing a lot of stuff on the radio. So a lot of punk rock and stuff, it was basically that. Someone coming up going, hey, I got this record. Listen to this. It's called The Monks. You're like, awesome. (laughs) Yeah, love this shit. Johnny B. Robin tonight. Yeah, I dig it, man. <laughs> yeah, nice leg shame about the face, right? That was then. Yeah, like a lot of punk, punk that's, you know, and it still is, I think, in a lot of ways. Same with metal. Metal was like that, I think. It still has that, where it's like, you see someone with its 
that black t-shirt with a skull on it, band shirt with a skull on it. And it doesn't matter what band, they're all cool. But you go, that band, well, they got a skull on their t-shirt and it's a black t-shirt with a cool band logo. Yeah, well, maybe I should check that band out. Yeah, yeah, and you always, also used to get that stuff on the thanks to, you know, on singles or albums or whatever. You'd always look at the thanks to listings and check some of those bands out, right? And you're like, oh, the metal, the metal, uh, the rivet heads, earth dogs, metal maniacs everywhere, up the arms, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you that's what, how, so, well, should that's we how I found out about Night Bob. That's how I found out about Night Bob. And then when we played with the New York Dolls, playing with the New York Dolls opening for the Dolls, I was like, oh, production manager Billy Hopeless, and then for the Halos, and I'm like, production manager for New York Dolls, Night Bob. And I'm like, Night Bob. Yeah, I remember looking at the credits on albums of that. Thanks to Night Bob and going, yeah, Night Bob, there he is. Well, never heard of Night Bob. So, which which version of the Dolls did you play with? Who was who was still going? That was with Sammy Yaffa and Steve Conte and Sylvain and Johansson. It was that lineup where okay, yeah, you know, yeah, the, yeah. After Killer Kane had died, yeah, after Killer Kane had died. But yeah, you know, it was great because it's sad that we toured, when we were touring the last time touring Spain, we played with Sylvain Sylvain. And it's really sad, as I say, like with Chai Pig, that you never know when the last time you see someone is or talk to someone or hear someone, you know? Yeah. You don't, we don't think about that enough that every time you see someone and keeping in touch, that every time you see someone or a band or you listen to a band, that, hey, that could be your last time. And that's it. I, I say it like with Sylvain Sylvain. I'm like, wow, you know, it's really weird that it's pretty short after that he ended up in the hospital. And I'm like, looking back, I'm kind of like, I, I think he knew what was going on already. Hmm. And I'm like, that's sad. So I'm like, wow, you know what? That's the last time I'll ever get the dolls. There's no chance the dolls will ever play. Johansson's not going to do it on his own. Right. He's not going to pull up Lawless right. or anything. I'm like, yeah, there's no chance. And I'm like, wow, we played with the Dolls and Jesse Johansson. Yeah, and I'm like, and hung out. And I'm like, wow, I'll never get to see that again. And Sylvania, you know, the world will never see the Dolls again. And I didn't think I ever would from being a kid loving the Dolls. I didn't think that there was ever a chance. When they got back together, oh. I was in, it's like, we're playing with the Dolls. I don't care what happened. <laughs> Going to promote it. Like, I will hunt you down. I will come to your house. You do not want to fuck with me. We are opening for the dolls. There's no other band. We are the band. <laughs> Dude, I don't know what keeps happening because you Mike, you went down the well again just now. It's very weird. Yeah, you went down. I'll tell you what. Let's let's play. Um, let's play the song "Uncommonwealth" uh, that came out just a few months ago. The single. So uh, yeah, this is the Black Halos with "Uncommonwealth." Yeah. 
by the uh, Black Halos. That's a 45 that came out probably a couple of months ago. You can get it on Cursed Blessings Record, and it comes in a lovely blue marbled vinyl. Um, looks excellent. Everything comes in colored vinyl now. Isn't that crazy? It does. Billy, do you want to do you want to smack whatever whatever you're talking into? Do you want to smack it again? Because you're down you're down the well again, mate. Hang on. <laughs> Whatever, whatever you did last time to bring it back. No, it's not. You still sound. Your, uh, your, your voice just sounds super high pitched and super far away. You sound like you've been kidnapped by somebody. Weird. weird. Yeah, <laughs> it is weird. All right, so Billy, because I'm coming out of Uncommonwealth, um, you've got uh, you guys have got a new album that's going to be coming out, right? You're recording it now or something? Yeah, we've been demoing every time for the last eon because this COVID shit, writing and writing and writing. But I'm told in January I'm going to get on a plane and fly out to Ontario, and we're actually going to do it. So, yeah, we're going to get this album done. We signed a record deal. I can't say what label yet, because they have to announce it, and I think they're looking going, well, are they finally going to go into the studio and do this damn album? (laughs) And, yeah, so January. We get it done in January and get it out, hopefully, and starts start touring get back on the road well like yeah let's hope so so um well also let's hope that vinyl the vinyl pressing nonsense is finished by then so we can actually get it in our hands you know by like june or something next year that will be good yeah you know it's that's a weird thing the way vinyl is yeah who is it there that's that's held back all, all the vinyl releases what's her name that, adele adele oh, damn adele yeah yeah adele adele yeah <laughs> The queen of the talk show music. <laughs> yeah, who looks who looks completely different than she used to look like five years ago. She looks like a completely different woman. It's pretty weird. Yeah, she's she's on a daytime talk show. It's like constant, like a day off, and I'm like, the TV's left on. And I look and I'm like, oh, what's this? And it's like, and our special guest is Adele. And then the next show, and Adele. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Oh, you turn the TV. Oh no, not again! <laughs> Did someone kidnap you again? What? No, you're back. Okay, good. Um, okay, so I'll tell you what too. Okay, so you got that album coming out um, next year, and then I believe yeah. you're doing something with a good friend of ours, Susie Moon, correct? Yeah, oh, me and Susie, we're doing it. We're totally doing it. <laughs> I bet you wish. No, uh, it's it's she used to be in this band, Savet. Right. That was on when I said Laker and Poker when we were on Century Media. And so we ended up, since we were label mates and played shows together, me and Susie hit it off like partners in crime. And she got a hold of me and said, hey, you know, I always love your voice and 
I've bought your new stuff and all this. And she's like, you know, I'm a huge fan and but and I love your voice and all. And I said, oh, you know, I always loved you too, Susie. And she said, well, we should do something together. I said, you want to do it? And she said, what? I said, Braves do it. Bees do it. Even educated. Please do it. Let's do it. And so, yeah, we started this idea and I wrote a song instantly. I was like, I can write a song. And I wrote a song instantly for me and Susie to sing and then she wrote a song and we're going to do a cover as well and yeah it's going to be our duet EP Billy and Susie duet when is that supposed to come out you know uh, it'll be finished recording we've got one song done and she's doing her song with her band she's been busy playing shows but we figured we'll have the recording finished by early December and it should be out in the spring. We're hoping for Valentine's Day. We're hoping for Valentine's Day. Because, you know, if we're going to do it, we got to do it right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's, nice way, that's the way for two young, two young fucking star-crossed lovers to do it. <laughs> it's like when yeah, Lemmy and uh, Lemmy and uh, Wendy O. Williams did that. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. That crossed yeah, with exactly. Stand By Your Man. Well, Susie and Marcy. Oh, Susie and Marcy did a song, too. Really? My yeah. favorite Wendy o. Williams and Lemmy thing was there's a I got I write for mag I write for local mags and I've done a lot of journalism and I got asked to review this porn compilation called Backstage Sluts Volume Two and it's like <laughs> bands telling their sex stories and then they have porn actors and actresses reenact stories so. I'm reviewing it going, oh, this is just bullshit and fucking, come on, even the porn's not that great. These guys with wigs on, porn actors with wigs trying to be rock bands. And I'm like, this is just, this is just bullshit. And fucking, it gets to Lemmy, and I saw Lemmy's name was on it, and it gets to Lemmy, and he goes, my wildest sexual experience, that was Williams. She was an animal. <laughs> Too much for any man to handle. <laughs> and then it said on the screen, Sexual acts described by Lemmy about his experiences with Wendy Williams could not be possibly shown on on this video. Reenacted or shown on this video. And I was like, wow, that's got to be amazing. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that was, that was a good Lemmy impression, by the way, there. Nice, nice job. He's, he, I think Billy's actually pretty close to Lemmy anyway. I mean, I yeah, think there's a, a, it's, yeah. he's got that rasp. True enough. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. Yeah, we're actually. I'm, I'm like, I'm going to go see Carlisle Price. <laughs> I'm somewhere in there. We're actually going to see Susie Moon next uh, in December with the Queers, right, Tom? Oh, are you coming? Are you going oh, right, to uh, I, don't yeah. know. I don't know if I want to make it or not. We'll see. Okay. Yeah, well, no. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to meeting her. Um, I tell you. Oh, oh yeah. Um, well, I guess we're wrapping up. Do you have anything else that's coming up that you're doing? No, that's about it, really, I think, right now. Well, well, we wrote a song for a horror movie. We got asked to write a song for a horror movie that's coming out in the spring. I can't really talk too much about it until they announce it and stuff. But it was on a really cool, the, the film company and the director and everything was really cool to get asked for. And look for that in the spring. We're, watch your B-movie horrors in the spring, because... It's the song that's on is one of my faves. I think to another song that was like, I love when your next song is always your fave. You know, that's good though. Yeah. Fave song. <laughs> I think that's what it's all about. But when you start just looking back at the past catalogs and going, "Wow, that was the best thing I could do," 
it's kind of over for you. And I'm glad to say that we're still looking to make glorious mistakes and we're still doing it. Where I keep looking like, holy fuck, that's the fucking worst thing, the best of the worst thing we could ever do. That's amazing. That's 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 shiny garbage. That's burning <laughs> trash. That's fucking, yeah, give me more of that. Um, it's hard. Oh it's so much. The radio, all you ever hear is, that was Red Hot Chili Peppers, followed by Pearl Jam, followed by the Fruit Fighters, followed by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, followed by Pearl Jam, followed by the Fruit Fighters, followed by Everclear, followed by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, followed by Fruit Fighters. And it's like, I love when you hear actually hear bands. And there's all the new metal stuff. I love when you hear a band that I'm like, find a new band that's like, yeah, I love that. And that since the start of this band, we've been doing that. We've been, I think the reason this band exists is because we want more music that we like. Yeah. It's yep. not enough we like. At the time, so, when, when I first discovered you guys, which was probably early, in, I mean, late 90s, early 2000s, there was you and Degeneration were the only two bands doing that kind of music that I was aware of. So that was good. I love Degeneration. Yeah, they were great. Howie, my heart to Howie for Speedy Recovery. You know, Howie Pyro yep. right now, what a sweetheart. And yeah, getting his new liver. And well, good luck. We can yeah. all sort of understand. Yeah, I'm sure my time will come. Yeah, and my liver won't forgive her. But you know <laughs> that my heart, my strength to Howie for a speedy recovery and getting a new liver so he can go and do it all again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was great. What a great band. Yeah, it was a great band. Um, Tom, do you have do you have any more questions? Or because I just have a couple more. Um, Dude, I can't imagine. I can't imagine what we didn't cover. Yeah, well, I just got, you know, what I, the one thing I have to ask is, cause, okay, you were talking about the dolls getting back together and you guys playing with yeah. them. So when the Dead Boys reformed, did they ask you to sing with them? I was wondering if the, if you could have become okay, the singer. yeah, well, it was when Rocket played, when, yeah, Rocket played, got back together, played in Vancouver. I went to that show, Rock from the Tomb, since mm-hmm. I went to the show, and it was great. That was a really cool show, cool to see them back together. And Cheetah backstage was talking with Cheetah, and Cheetah said to me, "So you know, we're thinking about getting the, I'm thinking about getting the Dead Boys back together. And you know, I've heard from people on you, you know, you're, you're pretty dead on and all. So you know, might feel stiff and all. So would you be interested?" And I said, "No, nah, I'd be like walking in a dead man's shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I don't, I don't think that's right." And then we played in the night when we played at CBGB's. Jeff Magnum was there. And Jeff Magnum said, you know, I got three questions for you. And the first question was, he goes, so Cheetah, the mongoloid there, Cheetah's talking about getting back, the Dead Boys back together. And, you know, I heard about you you guys and all. And he goes, so uh, would you do it? And I said, no, I told him I told Cheetah. And he goes, that's the right answer. And he goes, that's the right answer. You know, no one can replace Stevie. And I was like, yeah, I said, you know, I don't, I don't it's a singer. You can't replace a singer. It's very rare you can so, anyways, I just don't think, you know, I don't think it was right, especially when they re-recorded the whole album. No offense to Cheetah, but when he re-recorded the whole album with that guy singing, pretending to be stiff, it's like, nah. Well, nah. I, I, I didn't understand why they did it, because it's not like they didn't really change it up very much. Basically, the songs were just worse. So, I mean, and, no, that's, and that's no disrespect to the, the singer. That album mixed, I mean... I think it's a younger, louder, snottier that I've yeah. got uh, yeah. at the back. Cheetah has a, does a little write-up, and he says, you know, 
this is the way it's different. Want it. This should never be done again. It'll never get it done again. This is the definitive way that the album should have sounded. And it's like, yeah, then after, it's younger, louder, even younger, louder, new and improved, younger, louder, snotty. <laughs> yeah. And like, how many times do you remarket that to the point where it's like, okay, now it's uh, me and the drummer and we're re-recording the whole album again. Well, obviously they can't touch the 1977 version, so calling it the best version is ridiculous. But I wonder if it was like a, like getting the rights back, like so he could actually sell those songs elsewhere. Yeah, you know what they, I mean? I wonder if he didn't. Yeah, he was selling copies of that, the new version. As like, yeah, nobody wants that. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I can barely hear you, but nobody wants that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so anyways, now you know, like that said, like Mick Jagger said, it's the singer, not the song, and. Uh, I was, the voice, the human voice, is a really hard one to replace. Like, sometimes if you arm, you can lose a leg, but you can't lose your head. Well, I have to say because I did. I to, 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 in all fairness, I did see them tour. Um, what was that time? Like twenty twenty eighteen. I saw them uh, tour that album, yeah, and um, you know, and that Jake guy who was doing the singing, he actually did a he did a really good job. And I, you know, it, it'll probably be the only chance I get to s- see those songs live. So I did enjoy it. So you know, I have to say, and Ricky Rat was playing bass, and Johnny Blitz playing drums. It was good. I mean, it was. It and was, then what happened? What happened? What happened with Ricky and uh, what's the name of the bass? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, apparently there was well, some. It's funny. It's yeah. funny. Nobody. The one. The one common denominator is that nobody's talking to Cheetah anymore. So yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. enough said. Yeah, it's just no. That's it. I don't want if I go. When you see an Elvis impersonator, you know it's an Elvis impersonator. But you don't go see an Elvis impersonator going, "Hey, it's Elvis." The Elvis Presley show. Right. Yeah, I get that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it. Like as I said, I'm not going to see the Misfits. How about the Misfits? There. I mean, the Danzig proof. People can say whatever they want. It ain't the misfits. I want dancing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, Neil. Let's we better we better wrap it up just because he's his microphone is kind of your microphone's kind of fading in and out. So why, why don't we wrap it up? Out. Yeah, in the well. out of the well. I'm in the well. Yeah, basically right. you're jumping in and out of it constantly at the moment. Yeah, yeah see, I think shame. it's probably because your neighbors are downloading lots of porn and using up all the bandwidth on your <laughs> yeah probably. on your internet. So. Yeah, they heard me talking about backstage sluts and they're like, see, that was perfect. Oh, Guys, guys with wigs and headbands trying to be rock musicians. Awesome. <laughs> there you go. That turns me on. It's Didi's fault I have this way. <laughs> well, Didi, I think Didi might have broken your fucking microphone, mate. <laughs> <laughs> See, you pushed it too far, Neil. We had him. Yeah, we, we had, had him. him. I said, we had him. Let's wrap it up, but we still have him, and now it's cutting out again. So let's yeah. let's. Yeah, uh, now it's cutting out again. Yeah. Now it's good. Yeah. Well, oh. no, it's. Yeah. I'm with Didi, man. <laughs> all right well D- yeah yeah dd there you go um billy thank you so much for coming on man and giving us so yeah, much thanks, time we really pleasure. really appreciate it awesome you guys take care i'm gonna go to the punk rock show yeah you go see Excellent. doa go, go see doa and go say pee. hi to joey yeah man cheers <laughs> and uh yeah we'll... thanks a lot it was fun all right take care guys see ya bye thank you yeah Rock on. Rock on. Me too. So, Neil, you want to do a little sign-off here? or what do, what do you want? Sure. Everybody keep a little mark in your heart and stay free. Yeah. Smell you later. Thanks Bye, for listening. Bye, everybody.